It's the final days of six-year no-interest financing at Palo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Upgrade that leaky, squeaky patio door from just $84 a month. Set your free consultation now at 855-PALA-WI. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Mike Spaulding, I thought we were going to get through the week um, without having a freeway closure. It, it seems like, at least during this time slot, once or twice a week, we have what is going on now where the full freeway closure because of not because of a collision, um, not because of a truck with pig guts overturning, but because of shots fired. And sometimes it seems there's like two or three a week. We were almost through it, but that's exactly what's going on now on the freeway. Yeah, two weeks ago, we had three days in a row. It was a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You're right. We almost made it through the week. But unfortunately, right now, uh, as you mentioned, traffic really, really, really backed up because of uh, this closure at Keefe. We unfortunately don't know a lot. More other than the fact that this is a shots fired investigation. Um, but if you again are heading northbound or planning on going north at all from the downtown area, you're going to want to take like an arterial street or a side street or find some other way around this because um, it, yeah. you're really, really backed up. Well, and, and it couldn't happen at a worse time. Of course, there, there's you and I are working, but a lot of people. Um, to, today's the day to getting ready to enjoy a three or four day holiday. So people heading out of town and if you're going someplace north of the city, up north, wherever that might be, if, if this is the route you're taking and just, just don't because at least we, we don't know how long it's going to last, but at least right now you're not getting through. Yeah. And typically, and we've had a lot of experience doing this, it, it usually lasts about two hours or so. And this yeah. started about 1120, 1130, I want to say. So yeah, it's probably going to continue on for a, a little bit more time. Okay. I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer to start off the program, so I, I have a question for you. Yeah. All right. The, the final Jeopardy answer is three. Final Jeopardy answer is three. Do you know what the question is? How many fireworks shows you're going to see this weekend? <laughs> no, no, no. This is a broader thing. All right. The Brewers have won nine games in a row. Do you know what happens if they win three more games, 12 games in a row? I do. Do you want me to spoil it? Well, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, yeah, right. Exactly. Free burgers. Free burgers. George Webb. George Webb has just announced that they are they are going to follow that sort of informal deal, and that if the Brewers win twelve in a row, which means three more games against Pittsburgh, the lowly Pittsburgh Pirates, um, twelve games, there will be free burgers to people. Monday could be a great day. Well, right, and they, they won't necessarily do it on Monday because they yeah. always kind of announce this thing. But the the, the tradition it actually it, it goes back to like 1940 when George Webb used to they they they'd make the newspaper ads and stuff say like 12 in a row, and then they painted the prediction on the walls of the restaurants, and it, it didn't have to happen very often. But in 1987. Brewers won 13 straight games. And, of course, it also applied to the, the Braves as well and other baseball teams. So um, they won 13 straight in 87. George Webb served almost 170,000 free hamburgers. Um, October of 2018, Brewers won 12 straight, which meant more hamburgers. And, like I say, they won, they've won nine straight here. So three more games against Pittsburgh. And then we're, we're, eating, we're eating free burgers. <laughs> 
Do you I, go? Will you go? I did. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it's not so much for the burger, it's for the experience. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can remember, I, I went in, in 87 and stuff, and it was, it, it again, it, it's just kind of being part of part of the crowd. You bet I'm going. So, Brewers, come on through. You know, win, win tonight. You can hear the game here on WTMJ. All right. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you ready for more Bill Cosby? Now, I, I swear I'm not making the story up. Yesterday, the the breaking news story was that, or, or two days ago, was that the um, state Supreme Court in Pennsylvania had overturned Cosby's conviction for sexual assault. They did not overturn his conviction by saying that there's insufficient evidence to find him not guilty. What they did is they said his Fifth Amendment rights had been violated because he had originally been been told that he wasn't going to be prosecuted. And then what happened is, based on that recommendation, he he testified in a civil case. And then a a different district attorney, 12 years later, turns around and uses that testimony uh, against him. And the court said, no, this violates his fundamental rights against self-incrimination. And and they they say, boom, you know... he can't be retried. He, he's going to be freed. And they took the kind of unique step of saying he can't be retried. So he hasn't been found not guilty. The, the case has been thrown out. I don't want to say it, it's on a technicality because, I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant legal issue. But I don't think anybody is necessarily arguing that, that this didn't happen. He says the relationship was consensual. But anyhow, he's 83 years old. Here are the reports that are out there. Um, and, of course, nothing is confirmed yet, but his handlers are saying that um, he's planning a comedy tour. And, again, this is from some of the, the handlers that are out there. Um, they're suggesting that there is demand for Bill Cosby to go to various comedy clubs or other locations and do some comedy bits and also, um, you know, just, just talk about a situation. And here's what they say. A spokesperson, Andrew Wyatt, says a number of promoters have called. Comedy club owners have called. People want to see him. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. People want to see him. If Bill Cosby were to go back out on the road and do a variation of whether it's a comedy show or whether it's talking about his life or or whatever. Would you buy a ticket? 855-616-1620. That's the Accurate Net Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I, I nothing surprises me in this world anymore, but the idea that Bill Cosby, at the age of 83, after spending two years in prison, getting released on, again, I, I don't mean to call it a technicality, but it, it's not like... It's not like people are saying this is this huge miscarriage of justice and he was falsely accused of this. Uh, Bill Cosby, 83 years old, if he were to come back and, I don't know, appear at the Riverside Theater, a night with Bill Cosby, would you buy a ticket? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. With all due respect, if you could, to channel George Carlin, I think this might be God's way of telling you you've got too darn much money. But let's discuss. Do we want to see Bill Cosby going public and going back out on the road? 855-616-1620. 
You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're just tuning in, Bill Cosby's spokesperson is saying, hey, we're, we're considering going back on, on the road. There's comedy club owners that are expressing a lot of interest. People want to hear him, and there's talk about having him go on the road to do to do a comedy act and maybe discuss his life, you know, something like that. Would, would you pay money to do that? 855-616-1620. Here's a text, Jeff. I saw his stand-up many years ago and enjoyed it. Well, I, 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 I remember buying Bill Cosby records when I was a kid. Um, I like his comedy. I can separate the professional from the individual. I would go see him. Unfortunately, if I started passing moral judgments on people's personal life, I would never see many entertainers at all. Huh. Okay. So I guess that raises the question of if O.J. Simpson decided to give a talk about, I don't know, his, his days at USC and running a football for the Buffalo Bills, would you be paying money to go see O.J. Simpson? Um, not me. I, I wouldn't. 855-616-1620. All right. The Bill Cosby Comedy Return Show. All right. You going to go do see it? Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're first. Hello. Jeff, I would rather go see DJ Paris Hilton perform in 100-degree weather than watch this guy. Um, for me, a sex crime is a deal-breaker. And nationally, I would actually I would be embarrassed if Milwaukee had Bill Cosby anywhere. Uh, we've been getting a lot of good publicity for the basketball, and it would be a shame to, to add this I, on there. I just, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm a promoter trying to put together a tour, and my question, Jeff, would be, well, okay, what is really the audience for this? I mean, yeah, I, I, I understand that, you know, people like Bill Cosby, they liked his image and stuff, but, but regardless of whether or not he was technically guilty of this crime, what we know is that public image of Bill Cosby is not what the real Bill Cosby was. And I just, I just don't get how people would be spending money to support him. Yeah, that would be an interesting marketing project to figure out like what kind of a demand there was and who would actually go see those shows. The only thing I can think of is just the real diehard fans who don't want to listen to current events and the fact that he actually admitted to some of it. I get th- thanks for call. Right, I mean, uh, and, and his he he's always maintained that his relationship was consensual. And 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 again, put, putting that whole thing aside, <clears throat> this is the guy who you know by by his own admission was you know cheating on his wife. That that that's the best case scenario that you can have. The worst case scenario is that he's a serial rapist. But at the same time, I mean, who, are you, you know, who's going to spend money to see this guy? Lucy on the West Side. Lucy here on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Lucy. My first date with my my first date with my former husband was in 1968, and it was a Bill Cosby show, and it was wonderful. And he was a huge hero mm-hmm. of ours. Um, he was he was just everything. He was the whole deal. Remember, the, was it Mission Impossible? I Spy. He was on. I Spy. No. I Spy. I Spy. Yeah. Yeah, I spy, and then the Cosby Show, and then his son got killed, and I, he was, I just thought he was a wonderful man and a wonderful performer, and I don't think that anymore. I was so disappointed and upset when those facts came out. I agree with the Pennsylvania Supreme Court about the procedure, but that doesn't have anything to do with the merits. Right. And and I would not pay money to see that man. I don't know. I see I, I really I don't know who the market would be for for this would be because I think Lucy the vast majority of people even if we can appreciate that the the comedic talent that Bill Cosby was back in the day 
I just I just don't see too many people being willing to to separate that and say, okay, well, we're going to go out and hear his story, and more importantly, we're going to pay money to enrich him to tell this story. I, I think that ship has sailed. I think you'll get an audience from all the people that are angry at the Me Too movement and the so-called cancel culture, yeah. um, or who just have an axe to grind with. Uh, yeah. What they think is political correctness, and I'm I'm really sad about that. But guess, me. yeah, thanks for your call. Time, time, time will tell. Jeff in West Dallas. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Okay, you're gonna pay money to I, see Bill Cosby? To, no, I wouldn't. Um, I used to be a fan of his. I was a big fan of the Cosby Show years ago, but. Um, when all these allegations uh, came to light, and ultimately uh, when he was convicted, I just thought I was over and done with it um, because you know I thought he was uh, you know a good person and I you know really enjoyed his comedy, but uh, unfortunately in my mind what he did really soured him in mm-hmm. my view. So I really wouldn't uh, waste my money to go see him. I'm just over and done with him. Yeah, I think a lot of. I mean, thanks. For, I mean, I think a lot of. I think a lot of people are, and that, and and it is unfortunate that that this would happen. But as we were talking about yesterday, it's also one of the illustrations that, that there's this public image that people create, and, and sometimes the sometimes the public image matches the type of person that 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 person is, and other times it doesn't. And in the case of of Bill Cosby, it, it's very very clear it didn't. Um, Tiger Woods is another classic example of that. Now, I don't know about Tiger Woods in 2021, but we do know that that image, the public persona that had been crafted of Tiger Woods 10 years ago, oh, this devoted family man and all that stuff, we know that that was a load of hooey. And, and yet, you know, now and again, I'm not saying people can't make comebacks in American life, but I don't see this. Um, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, I would go there to throw tomatoes at him. Um, Jeff, I think a night with Bill Cosby is a punchline of a joke in poor taste at this point. Um, something to do that. Jeff, absolutely not. Um, Jeff, um, I remember you interviewing Bill Cosby years ago. Would you want to interview him again? No, the answer would be no. A- absolutely not. And and it, I, I say this, maybe I told the story the other day. I when Bill Cosby was coming to Milwaukee for one of his events, this is probably about ten years ago or so. You know, we we, we did an interview, and, and he was he was a great interview. Actually, sometimes these celebrity interviews are are difficult. He was he was fun. He was giving. I, I he was he was playful. I said, "Hey, would you do Fat Albert for me?" And he did. You know, I mean that that type of stuff. Instead of saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm here to sell tickets to whatever," he he was. It was a wonderful, wonderful interview. Would I have Bill Cosby on the show again? No. The the answer is uh, no, that I, <clears throat> I I wouldn't. Jeff, I can't believe that it's a condition of bidding get out of prison early that he wouldn't be required to not perform or speak or do anything under in public. No, no. See, the, the court said he was un, not that he wasn't guilty. The court said his rights were violated. So, boom, you know, we're. We're, we're going to let him. We're, there's no limitations. I mean, there's nothing that says Bill Cosby can't go on the road. Jeff, absolutely not. I grew up in a show, but let's not forget that he admitted to drugging women, but was never charged. Um, Jeff, I would definitely not go to see Bill Cosby if he performed in Milwaukee. I'm over and done with him. Jeff, if it were me, I wouldn't go on the tour. Um, I, I think he should just put himself on house arrest. I know I wouldn't go to see him ever. I, you know, that, that's the other thing that kind of makes you wonder, given all the stuff that Bill Cosby's been through and, and given the fact that he, he's 83 years old, and I, I don't think, 
I mean, I don't know how the civil lawsuits against the different women have played out, but I don't get the sense that he, he doesn't have money. Why you know, why would you go and subject yourself to this unless you, you really have this feeling that you want to argue with your critics and say that all this stuff is wrong? But I'm telling you, I think I think this might be one where I just decided if I were him, I'm going to quietly live out however much time is left for me. If he wants to write a book or something, that's different. But uh, who's going to buy that either? Jeff, absolutely not. All I can say for his sake, um, I think that they'd have to have better mega security because you know he is going to be a target. Jeff, even if this was the last entertainment option on earth, I would not go. Jeff, I wouldn't go. But I would show up with a protest sign out there um, for this. Even if they gave me a free ticket, Jeff, I would not go. Um, you, you get the kind of sense about this. I was sort of surprised by this story, and I was kind of surprised by the timing of it. But I guess, I mean, this is America, and I appreciate that everybody has second acts and they have third acts. For Bill Cosby, though... I don't know. My advice would be maybe you want to stay out of the public uh, light. The the other issue that I raise, and I, I'm not trying to be flip about this or anything, but the the, the courtroom when, when we've when we've seen him in the courtroom over the last couple of years and stuff, the the image that was created was a guy who was clearly in extremely failing health, and that was one of the big arguments. Right? He, he's in really really horrible health. You know, it's don't don't send him to prison for a long time following the conviction. I, I wonder. How that's going to, I mean, if he goes back out on the road, I guess the question is, was, was all this health stuff, was this an act to try to gain sympathy or is he really, you know, in, in poor health or whatever? Bottom line is, I hope Bill Cosby stays home. Coming out on the road, I don't think is going to be good for anybody. Back with more in just a minute. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Some surprises are, are good. Hey, it, it's a surprise birthday party. All your friends are around. That's good. Um, a surprise. You, you you pull that pair of blue jeans that you haven't worn for a while out of your closet. You reach into the pocket, and there's a $20 bill in there. That's a great surprise. They're, those are good surprises. They are welcome surprises. And then there's the surprises that aren't so good. And among those are when you get a medical bill. That suddenly you go, wait a second, where, 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 where is this extra $4,000 coming from? Well, because of a joint action of Congress, Republicans and Democrats, it appears that th- those surprises may be going away. Here, here's the story. Apparently, there's a new rule that the, the Biden administration is rolling out that should be in effect in the next six months that will stop medical billing surprises. Now, here's how this happens, if you haven't followed these stories. Um, If if you have insurance, there's two different rates you pay. One is if you are so-called in-network, what happens is your, let's say, most common example, your company, if you're getting work through your employer, negotiates um, with with whoever's providing you the insurance, and they negotiate rates. And um, the insurance carrier, whatever, cuts these deals and says, okay, you have in-network facilities. And maybe, okay, around here, maybe it's it's freighter, and maybe it's, it's Aurora, and maybe it's Ascension. And what happens is, if you are in-network, and you go and you use those services, the the amount, your deductibles are typically lower, and the amount that you have to pay is typically lower for using a network provider. With most insurance, 
you can use a provider that is out of network, not in that agreed upon thing, but typically you're going to have much higher deductibles and you're going to have to have a much larger copay. So it's, it's an incentive to get you to use the in-network providers. Okay, great. So imagine a situation, and this is how it would most commonly occur. Your doctor, you, you go to a, a doctor in network. I'm going to pick Aurora. I just, I'm, I'm just picking Aurora just for the sake of this. It's not intended to, you know, call out Aurora. But you, just for the sake of argument, you go to a doctor. Your doctor is in the Aurora system who says, um, your regular doctor says, Jeff, you, it's time for the colonoscopy. You, you need this. Let me set it up. So they set it up with a doctor out at one of the Aurora hospitals, and the doctor is in the Aurora system. Okay, so it's a colonoscopy, etc. You know, your your doctor is in network. You you know that the Aurora hospital is in network. You know that the um, the guy that's going to be doing this is in network. Fine, you, you set it up, you show up, you have the procedure, and all of a sudden you get a bill, and there's an extra $4,000 charge on it. And it turns out that the anesthesiologist, for the sake of argument, the anesthesiologist who, you know, put you under, was not in network. You know, yes, they were working out of, in this case, the Aurora Hospital. Again, I don't mean to single out Aurora. I'm just using it as an example. But they were working out of, you know, the Aurora Hospital, but they weren't in network. They weren't part of the system. And so they're charging you, not the agreed upon in-network bill, but they're charging you what they would do if you were out of network. So your copay is going to be higher, your deductible is going to be higher. So all of a sudden, you, you get these several thousands of dollars in billings. And and you say, wait a second, you know, I had no way of knowing. I mean, I, I thought this was all in-network. I, I don't know who the anesthesiologist is going to be. I, I, was, I went to my in-network physician. He referred me to, you know, the guy that's going to do the, the colonoscopy who's in network. I was in the network hospital. I, I don't know that the guy who's the anesthesiologist or the guy who's going to be reading the x-rays and another example, I, I didn't pick them. That's just who got assigned. I had no idea that this person was out of network and now you expect me to pay X thousands of dollars extra. It's that what they call the surprise bill. Well, um, under these new rules that are going to go into effect based on a law that was passed last year, here's the deal. Interim rule says that patients cannot be charged out-of-network rates for what they call ancillary care, which happens when an out-of-network anesthesiologist or assistant surgeon provides treatment at an in-network hospital. So in other words, if... If you're in a situation where you're at that hospital, it's in network. It's not your problem if somebody in that hospital happens to be out of network and they can't bill you the the whole thing. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's the deal. Study in April 2021 found that patients receiving surprise out-of-network bill for emergency physician care paid more than 10 times as much as in-network emergency patients paid out-of-pocket. So that's one of the rules where it says emergency services have to be billed at lower in-network rates. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you have ever been caught up in this, I think you can understand what I believe is the fundamental unfairness of this. I'm not big on government regulation. I'm not big on on the government telling people what can be charged and what can't be charged. I'm a big free market guy. But in situations like this, it it seems to me it is a a form of, of almost legalized fraud 
that takes advantage of people who have no way of knowing they're trying to do all the right things, and then they get end up getting whipsawed with these surprise bills. I think legislation like this is long overdue, and I think it's something, regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, you should agree with. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Have you ever got caught up in this caught up in this surprise sort of billing thing? Because if you have, it, it's kind of nasty. All right, we discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. The threat of inflation increases daily. How it will affect you and your family? Did you miss the webinar with WTMJ's Steve Scafidi and Annex Wealth Management's Dave Spano? Well, if so, it's not too late. You can check it out and ask more questions by texting Annex to 855-616-1620. That's Annex to 855-616-1620. Cindy in Milwaukee. Cindy, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Cindy. So... When you're talking about colonoscopies, I just have to tell my story that um, we have a history of colon cancer in the family. So the doctors are always like, oh, yes, you need your colonoscopy before, you know, a certain age. So I had one initially that was fine. Insurance paid for it. And they're like, oh, come back in about five years. So I was 45 years old and called the insurance company. I'm seeing this doctor. Yes, they're in network. Great. You know, this is all wonderful. Um, we went back and forth. I'm like, yes, I called the insurance company and the doctor's office, talked to a few people, go and have my procedure. And the anesthesiologist was there. And I'm like, wait a minute, usually you just do like Bercet or some right. type of IV. So I did ask them. I said, this is covered, correct? Oh, yes, yes, yes. So my story is I got a bill for $1,200 because insurance rules stated that you need to be 50 or older to have your secondary colonoscopy paid for. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So here you have, I talked to all these people, and not one person said, oh, by the way, since you're not 50, you will be charged the full amount. Again, I felt, and then when I called the insurance company to try to fight it, they're like, yeah, I'm like, well, you Sorry. record these phone calls. Yeah, yeah, you record these phone calls, right? And they're like, yes, let me look through all the records. Well, uh, my phone call was not recorded. Yeah. You know, and, no, and I it's was, just frustrating. I, I get it. I mean, uh, thanks yeah. for calling. No, I, I, I get it. And it's and that's a slightly different variation of this. But it, again, it's, you know, one of the things that I've been arguing for for the longest time is you, you need transparency. You know, healthcare is one of these. It, it's, it's one of these areas where you, you go buy a, you go to buy a car. And you, you can ask, okay, how much is this car going to cost me? And, and that's this upfront discussion. You go into the grocery store to buy, you know, what, whatever. Hey, I'm going to buy a six pack of beer and some, some cereal. Okay. You know what that's going to, to cost. You know, healthcare, it remains the, these kind of mysteries. And what's been a problem with this is, again, even if, even if you try to be the best consumer you can possibly be, and, you know, like Cindy was talking about, you ask all these questions and, and then, you know, it, it shows up and boom, all of a sudden, surprise, you're nailed with 1200 or 5000 or whatever. Let's talk to Dan in Waterford. Hi, Dan. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. This is uh, long overdue. Uh, topic or process. Uh, I'm a retired uh, healthcare exec, and uh, uh, I was started in 1983. Retired about 2013. This has been going on for a long time. We used to affectionately call those doctors or those services the rape doctors, 
nothing really ill intended, but the RAPE was radiology, anesthesiology, pathology, and <laughs> ER, and particularly in the smaller hospitals. Right. Those doctors, those services were contracted right. by the hospital because they didn't, and, and uh, the st- uh, staff would, your, your primary care would order a, um, an x-ray or a, <clears throat> a pathology test on something, and uh, the staff at the hospital in the x-ray department working for the hospital would take the x-rays, but then you'd end up with this bill. Yeah, that and, was out of network, right? And of course, nobody knows. I mean, I, I go, I go into the the emergency room or go to see the doc because I think I've broken my foot. So you know, first thing they do is they take X rays of of the foot to decide that. Well, if I'm in that facility, it, it I, I'm not going to think that the person who they've just sent me to down the hall to take the X ray isn't part of the the overall facility. For example, I mean, consumers have no way of knowing that. Correct. Correct. And the real bad thing was you're you're caught between a rock and a hard place. So if you're a health insurance, say you're, back then when I started, you had HMOs. Right. But you're going to that organization uh, or that uh, provider network because that's where your insurance pays. Yeah. But you don't have any control over those uh, four. And there were some other ones as well. So you were you were kind of screwed and tattooed either way so, yeah but no, anyway great topic thanks well, th- for no thanks call, well, well thank you and thanks for listening but no th- this is again this this is one of these situations that there jeff two years ago we were in michigan visiting our daughter on the way home i had severe pains in my stomach so bad i could not make it all the way back to wisconsin to be seen by a doctor in my network i spent two hours in a michigan emergency room where i found out i had dervic the verticulitis. I got prescribed an antibiotic and a pain pill. We were on our way back to Wisconsin. When I got the bill, it was about $5,000. I called my insurance. I called the hospital I was treated at. Nobody could help me out. So for two years, I've been paying off a $5,000 bill from my emergency visit. I would welcome a bill in Congress that would prevent a hospital charging fees for someone in my situation. And I think, I mean, kind of the way I I read that, uh, that's what what this would do as it regulates emergency care a- as well and-, and says you can't be charged more than the in-network sort of thing. Look, there's all sorts of things that we have to do in trying to figure out how to manage health care costs because I'm not one of these guys that, you know, that, that's a big believer in socialized medicine. I think that's going to – I think if, if we do that all across the board, it's going to lead to a decline in the availability of Medicare, of medical treatment, and, and things of the like. But that's a conversation for another day. The one thing I think everybody would agree with is you've got to get a handle on, on medical costs. You have to be transparent, and you have to be fair. And I appreciate our last caller, Dan's perspective. Yeah, I mean, I understand some of these smaller hospitals in particular – you know, they, they contract out. They, they're not staff members. So they've got a contract deal with the anesthesiologist. They've got a contract deal with the people that read the x-rays. And that's all well and good for them to do that. But the people that read the x-rays and the people who, you know, pass the gas and whatever, they, they shouldn't be able to just charge consumers a lot more then they think that they're going to have to pay. And so I'm not a big government regulation guy, but this one is way, way, way overdue. It's um, The rule has now finally been proposed. I think there's like a six-month comment period, and it's probably going to go into effect by January 1st of next year. Although I should add that there are a number of hospital systems, including some in our area, who have voluntarily agreed to stop this practice. So that's all well and good. A lot of stuff coming up on today's program, including... All right. 
Is the Trump Organization being treated unfairly? We'll discuss. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Melissa, here, here's my proposal to you. If the Brewers win three more games, meaning they've won 12 in a row, George Webb committed to give out like free hamburgers mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, if if that in fact happens, let you and me find somebody to, you know, with a video camera and stuff and let's go. <laughs> let's, let's do go. it. I, absolutely. We're going to go stand in line okay. at, at George Webb and we're going to get our, our free burgers. You down with that? Is that a date? <laughs> I am so down with that. <laughs> okay, that's going to be so fun. It, it, that's so all all you know, we we will do our part on that. We so, will. you know, all we need is the Brewers <laughs> to win three more games this weekend in, in Pittsburgh. We can make it really entertaining too. A- absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we're going to get the burgers out of that so okay yeah, it's hungry. a date all right so that that is that is the plan hey last night if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 last night i was at sprecher fest at the uh, bavarian inn and that uh, the, well, the old bavarian inn the uh, how did that fest feel route. how'd that feel well it, it was fun it was a it was a beautiful night there was live music matter of fact i put a picture up um i i'm sitting there in, enjoying a an adult beverage and one of my um one of my friends had this. I don't know exactly how to describe the hat, so I just kind of put it on. It's it's a like a baseball cap, except it's got a propeller on the top of it. And oh. I, it, it seemed, that's so unlike you, it, Jeff. Well, it is unlike me, absolutely. But I I decided to pose for the picture. So it's um my my note on the on the Twitter thing was Spreckerfest twenty twenty one. The hat is a loner. <laughs> when in Rome, right? But it went yeah. when in Rome exactly. Yeah. So if you want to see that, you can check it out. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. But it was a it was a lot of fun. It was a good start. For for the Fourth of July holiday long weekend, most of us have ju- have Monday off as well. So, um, a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. Do you have plans? Plans? Yes, I'm headed to my brother's house in Iowa. Oh. So I'm going to go there for a couple of days and then be back on Monday. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you keep following the Brewers yes. because, like I say, three more wins and then you and I we're we're in line. I'm I'm down for that. Okay. There you go. It's it is a date. All right. Um, is it a witch hunt? Yesterday. Um, the New York District Attorney's Office issued charges against the Trump Organization. And yes, you can criminally charge a, a corporation. doesn't happen. Well, it happens occasionally. And also, they brought charges against the um, chief financial officers, the CFO of the Trump Organization. Guy's name is Alan Weiselberg. He is... Um, he is been, he'd been with with Donald Trump for like fifty years, and he's he was his accountant, and you know he, he made appearances on like The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice and stuff. But but he was the the gatekeeper, very very close to the Trump Organization, very very close to Donald Trump. Here's what the indictment alleges, and let me just let me briefly kind of explain it in general terms, and then we'll have the discussion. You are supposed to pay taxes on your compensation. So for for most of us for example, the nice folks at Good Karma, twice a month they they put they put a check in my banking in my bank account. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And from that check, they deduct various things. The, the cost of my health care, the cost of my dental insurance, the money I want to put into the 401k. There, there's all these different deductions. Some of those deductions are, you know, reduce the taxable income. But then, you know, after they do all those calculations, they then withhold, you know, tax. They withhold, uh, you know, federal tax. They withhold state tax. But it's all based on the amount of compensation that I receive. If you were an employee that was getting compensation other than just monetary payments, 
In other words, stuff in addition to your salary. You are supposed to pay tax on that. For example, let's say you get a you get a company car and as part of the deal, you you can use that company car for personal use as well. Well, that that's taxable. That's a form of compensation. That's no different than the company saying instead of giving you the car, we're going to give you an extra $5,000. Go out and, you know, and and that that's to make car payments on your car. That $5,000 would be taxable. And again, in my example, the the value of the the company car, you'd have to calculate the taxes. If um another example, let's say your company has a a plane and, you know, they use the plane for business travel and stuff. But because of your position, you get to use the, the private jet to go on personal vacations. You say, hey, I'm going to pack up the family and we're going to fly to France or whatever. Well, well, that's fine. But that's that's how, that's supposed to be treated as as compensation. You're supposed to figure out how much that value was. And then you're supposed to pay tax on it as an individual. In addition, the company, keep in mind, the companies, they pay payroll tax based on the amount of compensation they pay employees. So if the company is doing something, let's take the example of the company car, and they're doing this off the, the books, in other words, they're not comp, they're not reporting the fact that, hey, you know, we, we've given Jeff a company car to drive around in, and we're not treating this as, he, he can use it for his personal stuff, but we're not counting that as compensation. Well, that means the company doesn't pay payroll tax on that portion that's supposed to be compensation. That, that In a nutshell, that is what the indictment alleges. It, it alleges that over a period of years, what happened is the Trump organization um, essentially paid compensation, non-monetary compensation, to employees, including Weisselberg, and, and they, they didn't pay payroll taxes on it, and those things were not disclosed. They allege, for example, that um, tuition was paid for his family members at a private school, um, but that was as part of his job, and that was never reported, um, that, that there was an apartment that they provided for him that was his personal apartment that it should have been treated you know, as compensation. Those are what the allegations are. He denies that he's guilty of this, the Trump organization says, wait a second, this is a witch hunt because this happens all the time, and typically when it happens, it's treated as a civil matter. In other words, it's not criminal charges that are brought. The IRS goes in and says, hey, we, we think that there's a problem here, and we, you know, you you haven't paid X amount of dollars in taxes, and then you negotiate it, and, and then they pay the taxes. In this case, it, it's this is a criminal charge which is being brought. All right, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And it, it's a little bit more complicated than I explained, but not really. I mean, it's essentially, they, they allege that there was a, a second set of books that was prepared to document the amount of compensation that, for example, the CFO really got, and that was that wasn't what was reported publicly. You know, so they allege that there's this off the book stuff, and the purpose of this is to enrich the CFO and also to for the company to avoid having to pay payroll taxes. Those are the allegations. The CFO has denied that he's guilty. The government will have to prove that. But but in this politically charged atmosphere, part of the argument is this is a witch hunt. The only reason these charges are being brought in being brought in. The only reason these charges are being brought is because Donald Trump is Donald Trump, and you have a Democrat uh, district attorney in New York who's trying to uh, essentially you know, make a name for himself. 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does this strike you as a witch hunt? My answer is, I am sure that the Trump organization got additional scrutiny because it was the Trump organization. I think it would be naive to suggest otherwise. Having said that, though, if, in fact, they did have a scheme where there's two sets of books and there's all this compensation that's being paid, in this case, to the CFO, and it's done to avoid paying taxes, I'm not sympathetic at all. Yeah, I think that there's probably a political element in singling them out in the first place, but if they found evidence of criminal wrongdoing, if that is in fact the case, I'm not sympathetic to this. 855-616-1620. What do you think? Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, this is BS. It's political witch hunt. I've worked for several companies. They all do these kind of things, and they never get a second look. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I will tell you the companies that I, if, if, if our finance, if our finance person, Alyssa is listening, she's like, what are you talking? Cause I will tell you the, the companies that I've worked for don't do that. Matter of fact, they meticulously watch this to make sure if there's, compensation if there's value of things that are being extended to you um, through your employment that that they figure out that they assess a value of it and then you pay taxes on it so I, I don't know how commonplace this is 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line I also think one of the things that's out there again if you believe the indictment right so that and that's that's innocent until proven guilty but it's somewhat of the brazenness of this and and the fact that at least allegedly there were two sets of books one set of books that was public and another that that kept track of the what i'm calling the, the comps you know the the unreported compensation the, the the payments for the school and things like that that were made 8556161620 you know did, did trump make himself a political target yeah but if if the organization did this and if the cfo did it i'm sorry I'm not going to be sympathetic. Uh, Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, you're in WTMJ. Um, good, um, good afternoon, Jeff, and th- thanks for taking my phone yes, call. Sir. Um, um, my, my personal take on this is that, is that I agree with you 100%, and I had, just had some additional points to make here, is that I believe that, that Donald Trump brought this all on himself when he campaigned on being smarter than the IRS and he knew all the, the loopholes and how, to, and how to get around the system. So he basically, whatever invited the uh, invited the, fed, the the federal prosecutors, whatever in the IRS, whatever to start look to start looking into him. So just like anything else with with Donald Trump, he's probably not gonna gonna suffer any consequences. But but all but all of it, but all of his minions, whatever, are the yeah. ones who are gonna be facing the consequences of his actions. And then finally, whatever I mean, I mean you can probably attest to this, but you're a former federal prosecutor. Yeah. When you have a person or an individual, whatever, who is basically whatever saying that I'm smarter than the law and I can outrun the law and so on and so forth, I mean, that just increases your intensity, whatever, as a prosecutor or investigating that person to, to find something on him, him or her. Well, I mean, Would they, you agree? Well, they, they, to an extent, I, I mean, you, you know, just because somebody thinks that you're smarter than the prosecution doesn't I, I don't I don't think that means, OK, well, we're. 
automatically going to prosecute them. But it does say that, okay, just just because somebody is blustering and doing all this stuff, if you believe there's evidence of a crime that's committed. Now, this is being brought by the, the state district attorney's office. But, but, I mean, here's something, Jeff. Um, I think this is similar to how refs in the NBA won't call certain fouls or violation um, because even though they are technically against the rules, they let it go. If we're going to go after every corporation for ticky-tack tax violations, let's not stop at Trump. Otherwise, it's political. Well, I, I guess here, here would be my comment to that. There, we're talking about millions of dollars. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the tax fraud alleged against the CEO, and again, alleged, is in the neighborhood of, you know, $1.75 million. Now, I, I understand some people run in rarefied air. I don't necessarily consider a million, $1.7 million in tax fraud. Allegedly, I don't consider that to be you know, ticky-tack necessarily. I mean, it's not like we're saying, hey, you know, you, uh, I don't know, you, you, you had a lunch for 50 bucks or something and that, that somebody paid for and that was supposed to, you were supposed to report that or whatever. No, it's 1.7 some million dollars. And the allegations, again, allegations are, it's a relatively what I would describe as sophisticated scheme. Um, the two sets of books and the trying to, um, partly, I mean, the reason the corporation is in trouble is because, uh, again, Again, the, the allegations are this was an intent to avoid paying payroll taxes a, as well. And I, I don't know what the truth of the charges are going to be, but it this is one that, I mean, if, if corporations are in fact doing that, and if you have CFOs or CEOs or, or highly paid place people who are, you know, getting all this money under the table, well, um, I, then maybe that's a justification for going after a lot of them for getting the money under the table. Um, Jeff, I personally am sick and tired of people constantly going after President Trump. I believe it's political. Are they so scared that he may run again? Leave the man alone. Um, let's go after all the presidents and all the CEOs. Well, again, if if, if, if you've got CEOs that are, are scamming, $1.75 million, um, I, 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 I'm not going to stand up and, and defend the, the practice. Um, you know, um, Jeff, remember, um, the former CEO of Tyco? This exact thing is one of the reasons that he was convicted and sent to prison. Jeff, I agree with you, but are they looking at books of businesses that Biden is connect with, connected with, with the same scrutiny? Fair question. I, and I, 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 I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, Joe Biden was, of course, a, a political creature for most, if not all, his his life. So I, I don't think that he has necessarily the connections with these, you know, private corporations. But I guess the, the bottom line, and see, to me, this it's not a Republican or it's not a Democrat thing. Now, you could think that it's it's a witch hunt. You could think that he was unfairly targeted. But to me, the fundamental question has to be. Is the corporation guilty of this or, or not? And I would like to think that I would make that argument whether we were looking at, at an organization run by Donald Trump or by Bill Clinton or by Joe Biden or by Barack Obama or by George Bush or or whatever. I mean, shouldn't that be the fundamental question is, all right, what? Are these charges legitimate or not? Now, I also appreciate that you, you can come up with like ticky-tack charges and things like that. But I guess, again, if it's true, and I say if, if it's true that you had this scheme to divert, you know, upwards of almost $2 million to avoid taxes and to unfairly benefit somebody, 
I, I don't care who they are. It's tough for me to come forward and saying that I'm going to, you know, defend this. Jeff, and this is just one man. How about all the freebies that, you know, other people involved or written off as business expenses and taxes not paid on those? Don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Jeff, what about Hunter Biden getting a free ride on Air Force Two to go talk to his buddies in China and work out a great deal that profited him greatly? All right. If, if there is evidence of that and it's tax fraud or whatever, go for it. I mean, go for it. But I think regardless of where we are on the political spectrum, we, we need to be consistent and we need to say if Nancy Pelosi has done something and it appears that, you know, she, she's committing tax fraud, she deserves to be investigated and prosecuted. And if people associated with the Trump organization have done things and are doing stuff that's in violation of the law, allegedly, and it looks like they've committed tax fraud, they, they need to be prosecuted as, as well. At least that's how I see it. Back with more in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, you can tell how badly something is going when, for example, the Journal Sentinel decides that it's got a ride to the rescue of this project. And, and they have this they have this puff piece um, that they just posted about about the hop. That is Tom's Trolley Folly, the, the streetcar that cost one hundred and twenty four million dollars and has been pretty much of an unmitigated disaster. And it's one of these pieces where it's it's again pretty much let's do this puff piece and let's let's present all the things that people are correctly saying are the problem with the hop but let's kind of diminish this and we'll find people that'll say well don't pay attention to that and don't pay attention to that don't look at that man behind the curtain there's no problem here well here here's the deal the numbers on the hop are out and they're just they continue to be miserable now the hop of course is that 2.1 mile stretch of of line it's really like a a yuppie transport so if you are on the east side and you live on the east side and you want to go to bars you can hop on the hop and it'll take you there we've torn up the city of milwaukee to do this we've spent 130 million dollars to put in this 2.1 mile streetcar line and as many of us said in the beginning the predictions about ridership were completely bogus from the start now this was this was sold to the public under the idea that we're going to have, on average, 1,800 riders a day, approximately, paying uh, paying a fare, paying a dollar, right? That was the that was the idea. Okay, they've never charged a dime for this, and the reason, in my opinion, that they don't charge a dime for this now is because they know that if if they charged a dime or a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar like they originally told us they were going to do, that that the ridership would be even worse. I mean, one of the reasons, particularly in the beginning, that you had the ridership being what it was, was because it it was free and it was a novelty. And you had, you know, groups would say, let's take a field trip. Let's ride the hop. It's free. Let's do this. So that 1,800 plus a day projection was based on people paying. And now I think that the people that run it understand that if we ever if we ever start charging, then then even fewer people that are going to ride that ride it now will ride it then. Matter of fact, they don't even have the mechanisms that are installed three years into this that you could even begin to collect fees. Well, anyhow, when when the hop first debuted, I'm I'm on their website. I'm I'm looking at the numbers and um, 2019. 
May, June, July is where it really started to pick up. You know, in May they had for free now, not people paying, but they had like a little over 2,000. In uh, June of 2019, you had 2,300. July, you had 3,300. And then it, it started going down. And then 2020 came around and it just, the ridership just plummeted. And the ridership has not come back at, at all. March of this year, for example, 18,000 rides in March. That's 591 a day. That compares to March of 2019, where they had um, 1,600 rides a, a day. Now, again, these, these numbers are for free, keep in mind, but, but still, even at free, they're dramatically down. April of 2019, and I'm comparing 2019 to 2021 because, you know, twenty last year was an odd year because of COVID. April of 2019, 1,855 rides a day. April of 2021, 610, so approximately a third. May of 2019, 2,030 rides a day. May of 2021, 671 rides a day. So again, it's down, it was three times as high or or greater. Now, the reason that a number of people in, in the city say that the hop is not performing up to its expectations is the fact that it doesn't go anywhere, that, that it only goes on this like 2.1 mile loop and that, that there's not, there's not enough interest in riding, you know, where it goes. So their answer is that we need to expand it. We need to take hundred, and now keep in mind, it took about $125 million approximately to build this 2.1 mile streetcar line. So the argument is we need to try to find hundreds of millions of dollars more so we can run it to other places, so we can run it to the Deer District, so we can, I don't know, run it up Wisconsin Avenue or or whatever. We need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars more to take it to other places so people might be inclined to ride it. Now, the other problem, of course, is that the hop isn't coming close to paying for itself and that right now, and the projections are, it's running a deficit of over $3 million a year, which is money that's going to have to come out of the, the budget of, of the city. So it's fewer cops on the streets, fewer or whatever. It's fewer money for this, that, or the other thing in order to support the the hop. And, of course, the worst aspect of this is they, they have to keep running it because if they stop in the first like 20 years, they're going to have to pay the federal government the 60 some million dollars that the federal government kicked in. So the argument is we're stuck. We know nobody's riding it. We know that the numbers that we provided were bogus in the first place, although they won't admit it because they were based on, on people, you know, paying a fare. But now, our answer is to keep digging that hole. Let's expand it. Well, let's let's spend hundreds of millions of dollars more and run it to other places. That will solve the problem. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and being surprised that the results aren't different. You know, that's the old cliche. If If you want to, for example, if you think that during the, the NBA playoffs – there is added demand for public transportation to get people to the Deer District, for example. All right, very valid point. 
All right, wouldn't it make a lot more sense to take a fraction of the money that you would, it would cost to invest in, say, a rail line and, and run some free rubber tire trolleys or a couple extra buses, even make them free to move people around so they can get to the Deer District? You could do that for a fraction of the cost of building, spending I don't know, several hundred million dollars more to build these permanent lines to take people to the Deer District when nobody's going to be going to the Deer District for a good portion of of the year. You could run the rubber tire trolleys or the buses down to Summerfest when people are going to it um, there, but but why have a fixed rail line that's going to go there in the middle of January when nobody's going there? 855-616-1620. The story in the Journal Sentinel is quoting these people just saying, oh, well, what we need to do is we need to keep digging. We need to expand it. Let's get the federal money. Let's build this. Let's build this. Let's build that. At what point do you have to recognize or realize that this was not a good idea, that this is not something that you need in Milwaukee? Maybe other cities you do, but Milwaukee's not that hard to get around in. And even if you need to get around, wouldn't it be a lot cheaper to, again, add temporary trolleys or rubber tire buses or whatever to meet specific needs? 855-616-1620. This is a whole <laughs> that that people apparently want to continue to dig, and for the life of me, I do not understand. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I have a friend who calls the streetcar the the, the bullet trolley, you know, because well, for, it's it's kind of and that's sort of like being facetious. We're going to go on the on the bullet trolley. Um, of course, you because you don't have to pay to get on it. There's there's no delay because there's never anybody riding it. There's there's no delay in getting off. And, and and now there's a number of people who are suggesting. Well, what we really need to do is we need to take hundreds of millions of dollars and sink good money after bad. Uh, you know, by by just expanding this. At what point in time you want to go? My God, are are people just completely and totally losing their minds when it comes to this? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Jeff, at least a bus flows with traffic. The streetcar goes fifteen miles an hour max and is annoying for drivers. How come our only solution to a non-existent public transport issue was to create a financial issue? Well, that's because this was a vanity project for some. I'm going to my prediction is, I mean, when when Tom Barrett leaves office, whoever the next mayor is, they're going to come in and they're going to start looking at some of the realities and the numbers and they're going to be starting to look at ways to dig themselves out of the hole, including, you know, what Ron Johnson came out with. And I understand Ron Johnson is controversial, but in my opinion, he's right on for this. He's offering to introduce legislation would say that if the city shuts this down, they would not have to pay that $60 million back to the feds, recognizing that, again, right now we're throwing good money after bad. But for the love of goodness, Really, that there's people are out there saying, okay, we need to spend hundreds of millions of dollars more. At what point in time do you just go, my gosh, I, I can't, okay, th- this, this old car is broken down. It's not working. It's not worth spending more money on. Let's talk to Mike in Cudahy. Hi, Mike. You're in WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, personal note, first of all, uh, shout out to your lovely wife, Fran. She took care of us at a certain restaurant for 20 years. <laughs> Outstanding. There's no uh, question. I outkicked my coverage in Affairs of the Heart twice, and, and yeah. <laughs> definitely with her. No question about it. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, tell, her, tell her Mike from PFC says hi. Anyway, Got it. Um, we, uh, yeah, I, I look at this and the over uh, the unreasonable expectation of ridership. When you have the MCTS, which is not written, you have the bumper bikes, which are sitting there most of the time in their racks. You have the bird 
scooters, yep. which are strewn about the city. You have Uber, you have Lyft, and you have personal transport. And then I think you call them a trophy project or, or whatever. Vanity so project, wanted, yeah. The mayor wanted vanity, right? The mayor wanted to be in the Cool Kids Club and have a public transit system. I'm old enough to remember the electric buses. At right. least they didn't have cracks. You right. could move the route by moving the lines. Right. They had rubber wheels. I mean, the idiocy of this is just gobsmacking, and those are my comments. Thanks, Nicole. I love the word gobsmacking. Well, yeah, you see, okay, but before we tore up the city and spent tens of millions of dollars, one of the reasons that you could tell that the the trolley was going to be a failure was because during the summer, they used to run for free, the, these rubber-tired trolleys. Now, it, it it made sense in theory. Because, again, the idea was, hey, we're, we're running Summerfest, or there's Germanfest, or there's Festa Italiano. So let's, let's, let's have rubber tire trolleys, and let's run them up and down like Wisconsin Avenue or around like the, and, and pick up people and take them down to the lakefront. Okay, that, that at least made sense. But nobody rode those. No, nobody, well, I don't want to say nobody, but almost nobody rode them. Th- those were, those were air trolleys to begin with. But at least to Mike's point, when you were doing that, you could say, okay, well, all right, we'll, we'll repurpose the, these trolleys. And now that the Summerfest isn't going on, it's state fair. Okay. Let's, let's run some extra lines out to state fair and we'll do it for the 11 days of the fair or the brewers are in the playoff and you've got huge demand for people to get out to, um, American family field. All right. That at least makes sense, but the, these fixed rail systems that cost million well in this case two point one miles cost two uh, cost one hundred twenty million dollars, which is real money that we now do not have uh, at, at least with with the fixed tired buses and stuff you you do it for a fraction of the the cost. So, look, I understand the argument that these things have to go somewhere, but at the same time, even if you sink another three, four hundred million dollars in it, what, what, what is going to happen? This is, it is one of the most regressive things because it's really designed to benefit only a f- small number of people. That would be the people that say, you know, live in that immediate downtown area. This does nothing for residents of the south side. It does nothing for residents of the north side. It does nothing for residents of the west side. It's just like, well, okay, if, you know, if you're one of the, the hip and trendy people that are living on the Lower East Side and, you know, you don't want to drive or you don't want to walk over to Pfizer Forum or you want to go down and get a beer, you hop on the trolley. Okay, I, I understand. It's a fun little thing to do, but it's it's costing the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee a ton of money that they do not have. Think, and it's going to cost it on a recurring basis. It was sold, people were sold a bill of goods to begin with because the numbers that were promised were never realistic. And some of us were screaming about this from the beginning. And again, well, and then at the beginning, it was, okay, well, look, you know, we said 1,800. We've got 2,000 people riding in a day. Well, they would never mention that that 1,800 was based on people paying. And now we're at the point where everybody, I think including the mayor, would acknowledge that, gee, if we make people pay, the numbers are going to get even worse because it's not going to be a novelty and it's not going to be fun. And people aren't even going to pay as little as a dollar to have... I don't know, to have this take them, you know, six blocks so they can get to a bar easier. It's just not what they're going to do. Milwaukee is not that hard to get around. That That's just the reality between, you know, okay, so you've got to walk a half a mile downtown to go bar hop, to get to Water Street. Okay, that that's not a problem. Cars and parking aren't a problem. Now, it's a problem that your car gets stolen off the street, but that's another story. But it's easy to get around. It's not like... 
Well, Chicago, although you don't have these things in Chicago, it's not like New York. It's not like some of these areas where the population is so dense that you you can't drive your your car or you can't have easy access or you can't call an Uber. And and look, that's all well and good. I, I understand we've sunk this money in, and that's that was a battle that was fought years ago, and we ended up losing it, the people that were arguing for common sense. But I guess now the new argument is there's people out there that want to expand this thing. Seriously, they're, they're applying for federal grants that are going to have to be backed up by local money as well. They want to put hundreds of millions of dollars into tearing up the city of Milwaukee even more to to extend the streetcar that's still not going to have ridership. At what point do we say this is absolute insanity? And, and will we do that before the current crop of politicians has rotated out? Back with more in just a couple minutes. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So yesterday morning, I went down to the airport. My wife was out of town for a couple of days. She had left on Sunday and came back, you know, yesterday morning about like 8.30 or so, 9 o'clock, actually. So I went down to the airport to pick her and our friend Colleen up as they were coming back in. And, and every time I walk into the airport, it's kind of a sort of disappointing in a way because I, it, it's, it's still a ghost town. You've got one entire concourse that is shut down. You've got, if you walk into the, the main area in the terminal, you see all these different like restaurants and bars and stuff that are, that are shuttered and have been shuttered for a, a long time. So they're not close to coming back. And depending on when you go, there are certain times that are reasonably busy, but in general, it, it's still air travel has not come back. Um, hopefully that that's going to change and hopefully there's going to be more flights that are there. But I, I am old enough to remember, you know, 15, 20 years ago, the, the real golden age of air travel in Milwaukee where, you know, we, we had AirTran. We were the hub for AirTran and you had Frontier. And then, of course, you had Midwest Express or then later Mid- you know, Midwest Airlines, which was, you know, they'd have direct flights that were all over. And you, you had all this different stuff and you had price competition and you had competition on routes and you had all these different choices. And it was really just a great time. It it is now changed dramatically, of course. Um, Southwest, and I'm a big fan of Southwest. We'll get to that in just a minute. Southwest is the principal you know, airline flying out of Milwaukee, they have around 48% of the market. Then you've got, you know, Delta, which is there. Then you've got some of the other, you got SkyWest and, and Frontier, but Frontier doesn't have as much of a presence as it did before. You've got American and then, and then all the rest. So, you know, you, you, you do not have anywhere the number of choices. And particularly if you're looking for direct flights, th- there's not that, that many choices, but the good news is things are things are coming back. For example, um, you've got Spirit Airlines, which is Spirit is the the ultimate low cost airline. They they if you're willing to go somewhere and and just all you want is just you to go there, and you don't care about taking a bag and you don't care about a reserve seat and you don't care about anything else, you, you can get amazingly low prices on, on Spirit Airlines. It's kind of like the, the trailways of the sky. You just hop on. Now, if, if you want to, 
if you want a carry-on bag or if you want a checked bag or if you want an advanced seat reservation or if you want other stuff, well, okay, you're going to have to pay for it. But if you just want to get from point A to point B and you want to do it in the cheapest way possible, you know, Spirit Airlines is something to look forward to. And Spirit, it says, you know, they're coming into Milwaukee. They're going to be adding some more you know, destinations that they're going to be adding nonstop service to Phoenix and Tampa and Fort Lauderdale and Fort Myers three times a week. And they're going to be adding service uh, three times a week service to, to Cancun. So, you know, they're coming into the market. Southwest continues to be a dominant player. There's a new CEO at Southwest. And one of the things that they're asking, um, one of the things that they're asking him, his name is Gary Kelly, is are you going to change the DNA at Southwest? I mean, Southwest, of course, also has that, they're not spirit, but they've got the, the, the they've got a couple, you know, models. Southwest, there's not reserve seats. You know, you, you just, you kind of get in line. You can pay for priority boarding, but otherwise you just kind of get in line. You find the, the open seat that's there. Southwest's big thing is that bags fly free. Uh, they do not charge you. You try to fly on, you know, you fly on Delta, you're going to pay for the bags. You fly on Frontier, you're going to pay for the bags. You know, Southwest has been the bags fly free sort of thing. Um, but you know, no assigned seats. All these different things are important. But they're of different importance. And I, I just wanted to devote a segment because I'm legitimately curious. Our number is 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you have to fly somewhere, what what is the thing that is your, like, number one issue? If you're looking for is – it, is it cost? I, I want to, I'm willing to be inconvenienced. I'm willing to leave at a weird time and come back at a weird time. I want cheap. Is it, I, I, I don't want hassle. I want to reserve my, my seat in advance. I want to know that I've got that particular seat and I, I want the amenities. Is it the bags fly free? I can't believe I have to pay money to transport my bags. Is it, is it timing? Is it direct flights? For example, direct flights are very important to me. I, I just, can I make connections? Yes, but uh, when I'm looking at the list of flights to the different places I go, the first thing that I look at is, okay, what is the direct flight? And then I start to look at the price. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As air travel starts to pick up and as some of these new airlines uh, start to either come into the Milwaukee area or expand the service, what what do you look for? And I understand it's not necessarily an easy question because there's all sorts of things that come into my play. But it, is it is it price? Is that it? You want the low cost airlines? You want the bags fly free? You want the direct flights? You want the choices? What is it that drives you most in selecting what plane you're going to get on or what flight you're going to take? We discuss in just a minute. Eight five five six one six one six twenty is the number. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Now, this segment is not intended as a criticism of any sort of airlines. It is a genuine curiosity as the air travel business uh, comes back and as air carriers, including like the, like, like Spirit, which is the ultimate low cost airline, try to move into Milwaukee. I'm curious as to where consumers are. What is it? What's the number one factor that you have in trying to decide, you know, what airline that you are going to choose? Jeff, for me, it's bags fly free and the ability to make 
itinerary changes with no charge. Yeah, that's of course, um, you know, Southwest. I, I fly, I fly mostly Southwest. Of course, Southwest has about 50% of the, the travel out of Milwaukee. And the places I go to are, are largely uh, direct flights, which is important to me. But, um, if you want to, Key West is one of my happy places in the world. And to get to Key West from Milwaukee via air, the, the easiest way to do it is it's Delta through their hub in Atlanta. And I remember whenever we do that, I'm always kind of shocked. I, I forget that, oh, if you're flying Delta, and this isn't a knock on Delta, but it's bags don't fly free. <laughs> you know, it's got, oh, that's right. I got to pay for the bags. 855-616-1620. All right. What drives you in deciding where to, uh, what, ticket you're going to purchase and what airline you're going to fly on. Pam in Franklin. Pam, you're first. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Thank you. You know, this is a great question, and I really hope the CEO is listening to see what people want. My first thought, I don't care about paying for the uh, baggage or even at the price. I hate flying. So for me, it's a direct fee. So you want to be able to get on the plane in Milwaukee and get off the plane in Orlando without having to uh, fly to Dallas first and then wait for two and a half hours and get another plane and get back. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Good enough. Thank, thanks, Nicole. Well, that that's certainly a, a factor. I mean, I I just be, because I want things to be easy. I'm I'm with you. I mean, I, I will tell you the first. For example, um, I was we're, we're going to Las Vegas in a couple of months with my brother and sister-in-law, and we were looking at flights. And, and there, you have all sorts of different choices as to how do you get to Las Vegas. But the first thing I'm doing is I, I, I gravitate right to the direct, the nonstop flights because that's what I'm looking at. And then, then you kind of look at the price. And I, I guess at some point in time, there is a price point where if the nonstop is so much more expensive than having the layover, I'll, I'll consider it. But I will definitely pay at least a little bit more to be nonstop as opposed to having to, again, have that layover. It's part of my – it's not just the hassle, but it's also – that that's a lot of times where trouble comes in. You know, you have to switch planes, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're stuck there because there's bad weather or flight delays or whatever. Uh, Chris in Slinger. Hi, Chris. You're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, for me, it's two things. Num- number one is absolutely direct direct route. That's number one. Um, and then number two is having at least some kind of control over where you sit. And that includes Southwest because I feel as long as I check in early enough, I'll yeah. have a high enough priority. But what I don't like is I've flown United internationally before. And if you're not in their benefits program or don't buy a higher price ticket, you're at the mercy of them. And if you get thrown in the middle on like an eight or 10 hour flight, oh God, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's got to be some kind of have some kind of choice in picking the seat at the, you know, the good price levels. So yeah. You know, it's that, funny. You, it it, it's funny you mentioned that. Cause like I said, I fly Southwest mostly and I always, I always, res- I spend that extra 25 bucks for the early bird sure. priority because it gets you on in the first 60. So, cause I, I'm, I'm six yep. one and I, I'm exactly, I don't want to be in that situation where I'm, I'm stuck in that middle seat, even if it's a two and a half hour flight. It's just, I, it, it's going to get me off on the wrong foot. So it, my wife will always say, you know, that's kind of a waste of $25. I say, no, honey, I'll, I, I waste $25 a lot. This one isn't yeah. a waste. Yeah. Yeah, you can't take that chance, and especially as the flight gets longer, I'm willing to pay more to ensure my comfort, especially if it's like a five, six, seven, or eight-hour oh, yeah. flight. Like, you don't want to be on one of those planes in an uncomfortable – I mean, you got to be comfortable. Oh, no, no. <laughs> th- no thanks for the call. No, I remember uh, 
Oh gosh! And one of the one of the trips we were one of the listener trips and stuff. We were we were coming back from wherever, and it was like a ten hour flight or whatever from somewhere in Germany. And I, I, I did not have a desire, particularly desirable seat. And it was just you, you get off the plane, and you say, "I'm never going to fly again." Now you get over that, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Grace in Brookfield. Grace, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Yes. Um, a plus for me for Southwest Airlines and probably other airlines is the fact that you can purchase your, you know, your purchases and it can get credited to your airline ticket. Right. So I have used that several times. And then also the fact that you don't have a fee change and you can change your right. ticket at any point and not be penalized for that. And so the, so, that again. <laughs> so the frequent flyer program, a good frequent flyer program is, is something that's very important to you. Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Right. No. Thank you. No. Exactly. No. I. I mean. I understand. If you travel, uh, again, I'm not. This is not intended to be a financial advice show. But yeah. I mean, if you. I mean, I have an airline credit card too, and, and it is amazing how quickly you can kind of rack up the points and, and use that. Now, there's there's other reasons to have credit cards as well. But yeah. I mean, I think a good frequent flyer program is something that, again, if you fly a lot or even just occasionally, a couple times a year, it, you'd be surprised at how that racks it up. Uh, Bill in West Bend. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, hi. Uh, two things on my end, uh, and you just spoke to this with the last caller, but in concert with my credit card, I've got a pretty good frequent flyer uh, deal going with Delta, right. and I enjoy I fly enough that I enjoy some of the baggage perks and seating right. perks and all of those sorts of things that you get. More importantly, though, and I, I can choose between Milwaukee and Appleton in terms of where I want to fly, I avoid O'Hare at all costs <laughs> right. because of how screwed up the connection gets. So that has really pushed me towards Delta between Minneapolis and Atlanta and Detroit. By and large, your connections are pretty reliable Right. And you don't get stuck anywhere overnight, that kind of thing. So those are my two things. Yeah, no, and that, that makes sense. If, you, if you're a frequent traveler, nothing nothing worse than, I don't know, you get that connection to get you home at 7 o'clock at night, and then you find that the flight's been delayed or it's been canceled or whatever, and so you're, you're not getting home till the next day. I get it. Okay, here's some text. Jeff, for me, number one, it's a direct flight. Number two, it's bags fly free. A major pet peeve of mine is when flights are changed for the worse and there's no types of refund. Yeah, that's it. Jeff, a direct I, I look for non-stop flights and they, they make the point. I'm, I'm using those terms interchangeably, but the texter is correct. Um, a direct flight can have many stops. You just don't change planes. Um, right. That technically, not, not technically, that, that is that is correct. Um, I look for non-stop flights. Okay, Jeff, I will fly whatever is the cheapest direct flight. Um, Jeff, I fly Southwest every eight weeks or so. I want direct flights, no extra fees for baggage or anything else, and decent prod, uh, prices. An assigned seat is not needed. See, I confess, when, when Southwest first came to Milwaukee in a big way, it, it took me a little bit of time to get used to the not having the assigned seat, but now it's I no no problem with it at all. Um, 
Jeff, my priorities are direct flight, reserved seats, and as much comfort as possible. I hate the cattle call of Southwest. Yeah, I get it, but I, I see I've actually gotten used to it. Jeff, the most important thing to me about flying is not price or amenities. It's having a flight with little or no chance of delays or cancellations. Many of these airlines overbook and you miss your connecting flight. That is horrendous. Um, yeah, there's no question about it. Um, Jeff, if you do have to have a layover on Delta, they have a wonderful sky club. Um, yeah, well, okay. Well, that, that's, that's, I'm sure that's, that's true. Um, let's see. In any event, a direct flights, it's all those different considerations. And I, I, I do this topic because like I said, I think air travel is starting to come back and I think more and more airlines are moving in. I, I, I like the competition. I remember the days when we had a lot of competition around here with like Midwest and, you know, AirTran and, you know, all those, those different sorts of, of airlines that you had. I think it's, it's a good thing. Obviously price is important, but I think as, you know, as you're reflecting, price isn't the only factor. And I'm not knocking Spirit Airlines. I mean, that, that's, that's great. And there's going to be, for some people, it's going to be like price is the number one thing. And hey, we can get there for, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. And, and that's great. To me, I, I want a little bit more. I like the Southwest model, but whatever it is, hope these airlines come back in a big way because that's good for all of us. The more choices that we have. All right. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.